Hey there. This episode originally aired on my Patreon many months ago, so some of the information might be a little bit outdated by now. If you'd like to check out episodes as soon as they come out, you can join my $3 tier over there, or you can subscribe to check out full episodes coming here eventually. Either way, the choice is yours. Enjoy the show. Hey, fellas. Welcome to Pat's Creative Podcast, Episode 2. Today, it is just me here today. Uh, Last time we had Talon on, and we talked about the general overview of creating and kind of mindsets you should have when you start creating and whatnot, and some common traps to look out for. Uh, as well as some certain things to keep you motivated and keep you determined to create in the kind of art that you want to create. Um, This time it is just by myself, but I am going to be bringing back Talon for several episodes in the future if all things go according to plan. Uh, However, for this episode, I thought I'd do something that's a little bit easier to do with one person. um, And that's basically in response to something I tweeted out uh, recently. Uh, I tweeted out, fellow creators, I'm reading from my phone, by the way, uh, fellow creators, aspiring creators, uh, whichever, I'm working on a big project and I absolutely need your input. With regards to creating, please tell me what you wish you knew more about when you first started, uh, what's the hardest part of creating, and why you don't create more slash didn't start earlier. Um, A lot of this just kind of applies to like either past tense or uh, present tense. And as you see some of the responses, we'll uh, we'll talk in both of those. Now, I'm basically going to be giving my response to those responses, just freeform discussion over it, giving my general thoughts. I thought this might be helpful, though, because uh, you can kind of see some insight from other creators as well. I got uh, more responses than I anticipated, and that's very, very helpful. Thank you, guys. If you were someone who did respond, I very much appreciate it. Um, I'm not going to be talking about specifically who said what response, because that's not entirely the goal of this. The goal of this is just more bring bring the discussion up uh, so I can share my thoughts on it. And then you can also share your thoughts on it by leaving comments below or any other forms of contacting people. Um, but I thought this was just a great way to just share some insight and, uh, maybe you've been thinking some of these same things. And if you hear other people thinking it, then, you know, it, it might just help, help clear the air as to, uh, how you actually go about it. Um, so one of the first responses I'm going over, this is in no specific order, just whatever I happen to screen cap. Um, so to answer uh, the first question, which is what you wish you knew more about now or slash when you first started, uh, creating. Um, one of the responses was, I wish I knew the value of patience. Too many times early on, I rushed through an idea and it came out less than 100%. Um, so yeah, patience is absolutely uh, fundamental when it comes to creating. It's super, super important that you are uh, patient when you are creating something that you take your time. Um, however, it's also pretty important to not entirely be focused on uh, what a project could be. I think that's kind of a dangerous trap that a lot of artists find themselves in is when they finish a piece of painting or not even finish, but as they're working, they keep just thinking about what this thing could be and thinking less about what this actually is. Um, So in response to like what this one's saying, uh, a lot of times, I mean, your work is just going to be less than 100% uh, to be entirely blunt. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a piece of art that actually is 100% perfect. And we talked a little bit about this with talent back in the last episode. Uh, It's kind of important for you to embrace less than a hundred of a percent because you're never going to actually hit a hundred percent if that makes sense. Um, at least that's just kind of my take on it. Um, I do kind of understand what they're going for here because I think it, the emphasis is a little bit less on the less than hundred percent part and more just, I wanted to get something out for the sake of getting something out. And so I rushed it out. And that's obviously not the mindset you should have when you're creating. You shouldn't have the mindset of creating something to just so that you can present something to someone. Um, there is an art to presenting in general, and I can see some people getting a little bit deeper into that area of content creation, but I believe that your art is going to be always better if you go in with different intentions in mind. Um, and that kind of goes into like playing with fame and glory. If you want to get something out just so that you can be popular, maybe you were trying to get something out at like a specific point in time because something is trendy at that time or whatnot, as opposed to really taking your time to fully flesh it out, then, uh, you know, Naturally, it's probably not going to be as good as a piece of art as something that you do take time to work out. But I also just think it's important to not be super concerned about uh, 100%. I mean, perfection is kind of an illusion in art. You can't actually really get there. So you might as well just do as the best you can. And in this response, uh, you know, it clearly is saying that it wasn't the best that they could do. And that's what they wish they understood. They wish they understood that if you do take your time, it is inevitably going to be better. So my recommendation is to just with every project that you create, do take your time with it, um, but don't take your time to reach uh, impossible expectations. Don't try to create something that's absolutely amazing because someone else created something amazing. Draw inspiration from people to start your projects, not to finish them, basically. 
Try not to get to the end point that so many other artists do. Try to get to the end point that when you look at it, you feel that you can be proud of it. And um, I find that a lot of times, if you look for something to be proud of in your work, you will find it a lot sooner than when you might have originally anticipated. So try to fully take a uh, take your work at face value, basically, as you're working on it, after it's released, and before it's released. And uh, I think that kind of helps. Again, uh, yes, it is important to take your time, though, and really think about whether or not you want to release something. Um, so that's kind of my response to that one. Uh, moving on to another one, just from the same question. I'm going to try to do these in the question order. This might get messy though. This is, this is a new format, right? Uh, it's going to take some time to work out all the kinks, but another response to the same question is, uh, editing. I always want, uh, like watching tutorials on how to edit better. I like this response because it's a little bit more, uh, about something kind of like specific and something that he constantly wants to learn more about. Yeah. Editing is something that's super important. I actually love the art of editing. Um, it's actually what drew me towards video creation in the first place. Sometimes it can get a little bit tedious, but ultimately having control over something you create to be able, the ability to change something that's so different from start to finish, uh, just having all of that in the palm of your hand and being able to control all of that. It's impressive. It's, uh, it's downright fun. It's, <laughs> I find I find a lot of enjoyment of it. It's also what's cool about editing is it's a way of interlacing multiple art forms into one continuous art form. Uh, you can mess with visuals, audio, and then even things like, if you get into specifics, like acting. I know that kind of falls into the visual category, but acting is an art. Presenting is an art. Speechcraft is an art. And then, of course, music is an art. And being able to combine all those into this one uh, transformative new piece of art that's unlike any of the other individual pieces that were originally there. That's something beautiful. Um, but yeah, editing definitely takes time. Looking up tutorials is obviously really helpful. But also, um, the thing with editing, a good way to, uh, to think of it is just a bunch of little steps that kind of pile up on top of each other. Uh, the way programs are designed, no single step is going to f- is is going to be impossible. You know, there's nothing that's blatantly difficult about editing. If, if individual steps were difficult, then, you know, they'd be horrible programs. And maybe you're not using a very awesome program out there. Um, but if you just keep in mind that, like, okay, I can achieve pretty much anything in the editing realm. It's just going to take a lot more steps or whatnot. Uh, then it's kind of easier to pace yourself and figure out how far you want to go, how much you want to dedicate time to it on this day and on this day or whatnot. So it's just really helpful for pacing if you think of it that way, as opposed to just an impossible barrier uh, that you're like, I don't even know how to penetrate that. It's like, no, you... You do know, and once you figure out, like you do know, and if you don't, once you figure out, you're going to know from then on because the programs all work through logic-based systems. Once you click one button, it does something, it's going to do that same thing the next time you click it. And if not, there's usually a reasonable reason for that. Um, but it just basically takes time working out those steps. And every time you learn something new in editing, it pretty much, you pretty much retain that. It stays with you. And that's what's really cool about working with softwares in general. Um, if we're going to be talking about software specifics, I feel like this is a good time to kind of do that. Um, if you're looking for like some really good editors that a lot of mainstream, both YouTubers, but also industries use, um, the Adobe Creative Cloud is kind of, it's kind of a, a, a staple in the industry when it comes to uh, digital content creation, including uh, video creation. They have Adobe Premiere, which is the program I use to edit videos. Um, I haven't had any uh, like restrictions with it. I'm pretty much able to do anything with that program. Um, and if there's just a select few things I can't do, there's other things in the Adobe Creative Cloud that can do that, such as After Effects and Audition. Audition mainly deals with audio. If you really want to refine that kind of stuff, I'm not great with audio. I think when it comes to technical uh, uh, technical areas that I'm not too great at, audio is definitely one of them. Uh, but when it comes to visuals, you can also deal with After Effects, which helps with like special effects and whatnot, and just advanced text uh, alteration. So um, that's kind of that's kind of like the industry standard. But that thing's expensive. Um, I don't know the current price that Adobe puts it at, but I know it's a subscription price, and it's frankly it's frankly a lot. It's just a ton a ton of money, arguably too much. Um, I I don't I don't encourage pirating softwares. But I will say that a lot of the reason a lot of people who use it do is because they pirate it. But let me also say in Adobe's response to stop pirating, they have also offered a lot of deals through schools uh, to the younger generation who know how to pirate. So before even looking into pirating, which I don't recommend you do, but before that, first check with your school because you might be able to get an official subscription through them. And that's actually how I have mine. Uh, Through my education, I've been able to get a relatively good deal on the Adobe Creative Cloud, and I use it uh, every day, every day and more. And um, I'm super thankful for that. And if you are in school, you will probably have a similar option. 
the main people who do pay for it are the people who have to pay for it for a bunch of computers, such as movies, you know, filmmakers and stuff like that. Like tons of computers got to use that software and whatnot. Um, so, but if you're looking for one that's free, one you're on like a budget or whatnot, even just starting with uh, things like Windows Movie Maker, that's technically discontinued. They're not updating that anymore. You can still find links of it online. Um, but it's just not like, there's no official Windows Movie Maker anymore. But there's that and a couple other equivalents uh, online. You just got to look out for their limitations. Um, here's the deal. As an artist, you're going to hit walls of limitations every step of the way. And the best thing you can do is build as much as you can inside those limitations. Uh, and that way you'll get the best, you get the best work that you can. And um, understanding that because you have limitations, uh, that's why it's not at an industry level uh, like work that you're creating. Um, I cannot just go out there and create a Marvel movie. I, I, there's so many limitations for that. And once I understand, okay, that's literally something I can't do. What's the best I can do within the limitations that I have. You're going to get a much better project than just thinking, man, I really wish I could do superheroes. Like if you just think that you're obviously not going to get anything done because that's a limitation you can't really get across. Um, so when it comes to video editors, if you know in your head that like this is literally the best I can do, you're not going to be ashamed for using like a bad program or anything like that. Um, that said, you might have a little bit of a budget for getting some editors. Um, also, by the way, if you're a Mac user, um, Macs come with a pretty decent free editor uh, known as iMovie. It's not the best, but it can definitely get most of your uh, general needs done. If you want to do some fancier stuff, you're obviously going to uh, need to upgrade to either uh, things like Sony Vegas. Um, that's a very highly respected editor in the industry. Um, and it's also a little bit cheaper than um, the Adobe softwares. Uh, but you can also look at uh, one that I used for a while was actually VideoPad, uh, video editor. They have a couple free versions on there and some of them are trial. Some of them are like full free, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then you can also buy the full thing for, I think it was around less than 50 bucks, if I remember correctly. Um, but definitely feel free to mess around. A lot of these have trial runs, so feel free to mess around with them. Um, ultimately, if you're just starting out in content creation, you're not going to need a really advanced editor just yet because it's going to take time to get to that level anyway. So feel free to use any of those free ones, basically. So I know that's like a little bit of a tangent, but it's one of those things I kind of want to talk about anyway. And since this was uh, this response was having, sorry, that's my phone ringing. I'll silence that. Uh, since this response had uh, that stuff specifically, editing specifically, I figured I would go over it real quick. Um, another one. We'll move on to another one. I actually got another response. I wish I knew more about editing. Hey, I didn't even know that. So two in a row. There you go. Um, we got one that says, I wish I knew more ways to uh, network and generally just how to get my content seen. So this one is definitely a tricky one. Getting your content seen is, is super difficult. And Tal and I briefly talked about this in the last episode as well. Um, in general, consumers uh, or viewers, or as I like to call people, but the people who do watch videos or uh, consume uh, art in some way, I said consumers not because you know art has to be monetized in some way. I just mean that's a good way of describing people who indulge in art forms, you know, uh, art indulgers, I guess. <laughs> um, they're not actively looking for new content most of the time. Uh, I'm sure you subscribed, you might've subscribed to a couple different people on YouTube, right? I hope I'm one of them. Now, if you've subscribed to a couple of different people on YouTube, how often are you specifically looking for people to subscribe versus stumbling across people and then subscribing to them? I imagine you're not actively looking that often. Um, it could be different because you're watching this, then you're probably interested in content creation in some way. And usually I find that content creators look a little bit more for other people like them, uh, more than just the average viewer. Um, but average people, if you just think of your siblings or your friends, they're probably not actively looking for content. That makes it really difficult to network because it means you kind of have to go the extra step of presenting the content to them. Um, with regards to networking specifically, I want to give like a quick helpful tip for YouTube uh, growing up. This this has been adjusted a little bit as time has gone on because YouTube is always messing with their algorithms. But how I found a lot of the people that I collaborate with uh, like every day is I just searched in the YouTube field uh, for a topic or a game or something of that nature. Uh, even just sometimes search like Let's Play or something. And then uh, naturally, you're going to get a ton of uh, results from like really popular YouTubers. But there's a nice little trick you can do. And uh, that trick involves filters uh, in YouTube. You can filter looking for specifically uh, videos uploaded by date. 
and then it will show you a list of all the things uploaded like that day. Again, YouTube changes some things every once in a while. A while ago, this thing was completely busted for several months. Uh, it just didn't just didn't work. I think it's fixed now, uh, but it's definitely worth a shot. If you just search by date, then you're going to see a lot smaller channels that have been uploading. And not only will this bring up channels that aren't just appearing because the algorithm said, hey, these guys are cool. Uh, they're appearing because they uploaded recently. And if they uploaded recently, that means they're a relatively active user. There's tons and tons of inactive YouTube users out there who used to create content and no longer do, but this is a great way of finding people who still make content and who are probably a small enough channel that you can actually collaborate with them. Um, I have had a very, 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 very high success rate as a small YouTuber just searching people and filtering it by date and then asking them to collaborate. Almost every person you ask uh, who is about the same size as you or even just like a little bit bigger uh, will be flattered and and interested in uh, what you have to say just because you reached out to them. Um, and I imagine if someone reached out to you as a small YouTuber to collaborate, I imagine you might feel the same way. You might feel, yeah, I mean, if this guy wants to hang out with me and record, you know, let's let's hang out and record. Um, and that's been a really helpful way for me to network. Uh, another thing is just kind of getting involved in individual gaming communities. Um, what's really nice about the internet right now is the rise of Discord. And with Discord comes many different Discord communities. Um, and uh, a big community I've collaborated with a lot is the UHC community uh, because the UHC is a very collaborative game. And a long time ago, back in 2016 or something, I decided I want to make a PvP UHC. And the first thing I did was went to the UHC Reddit because subreddits are also another great place uh, to find other people. And I looked through the different videos being uploaded there and then went to a couple different links. I found a couple links of channels that were a lot bigger than mine. And I just thought they're probably not going to collaborate. There's always a chance. I, there's no harm in asking a larger channel. I mean, some of the really large ones, uh, like even if you get to the, the, like if you get to like the million plus subscriber counts, it's a lot less likely and you, your time might be better spent elsewhere. But um, even just channels in like the tens of thousands of subscribers, I've been able to collaborate with one or two of them before. And it's not because of me, it's because of the subject that I'm presenting that is genuinely interested to them. So when you ask people to collaborate, uh, try to present your idea as it is, unless like, Hey, I'm like a really cool person. I think you should like hang out with me or whatnot. I don't know. I, every once in a while I'll get like a recorded round invite, which is the UHC that I, uh, which, you know, Minecraft UHC. If you, you can look it up if you want to know what it is, but I get an invite every once in a while. And sometimes it's the invite just is very centric around the person who's talking about it, as opposed to what they're actually inviting me to. And that's kind of a sign of something that I don't usually want to join. Cause it means that, uh, the event itself is not something that they're particularly fascinated in. They're just fascinated in people and hanging out with them or whatnot. And hanging out with people is fine. Um, it's just, if you're looking for content in collaboration, uh, then you want to make sure the content itself can kind of hold up and that people aren't just trying to leech off of possibly slightly bigger people. Um, networking works best when all parties really like each other. And that's just obvious. You know, that's not even, <laughs> that's not even like a pet net quote. That's just something that everybody pretty much knows. Um, so just look out for gaming communities, uh, be careful how you present your ideas to people, make sure that your ideas are something that kind of relates to them too. Um, for an example, you wouldn't want to go to a, uh, a YouTuber who only plays Starcraft, who only uploads Starcraft content and ask him, Hey, want to come on Hypixel on Minecraft and play with me? It's like, Oh, well they're, how do you even know they, they play Minecraft? Like they're a Starcraft channel. You know what I mean? Um, however, if you also play Starcraft and then you ask them to play Starcraft with you, they'll probably say yes, I imagine, because I don't think the Starcraft community is super big or maybe that one's a little bit big. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying, basically look out for people who have similar interests to you. And then obviously you're going to have a higher success rate at bringing people in, but looking for people who are the same size with you, you 99% of the time, if you ask them to collaborate on a, on a big project, they're probably going to say yes, cause they don't, they don't get asked that super often. Um, I think it was Tom Peeler from Sycamore Street Studios. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I first started collaborating with him because of uh, through channel searching. I don't think I actually searched for his channel, but there's a channel adjacent to it uh, that I searched for through the YouTube filters, and he hadn't been collaborated with super often. His name was uh, his name was Jordan. He uh, unfortunately passed away back in 2016. Uh, but because of him, I was able to also network and then meet Tom Peeler from Sycamore Street Studios who I still collaborate with to this day. Um, not as often as I'd like, we're both busy people, but um, still. Uh, and then 
you just basically find people who know people uh, and because everybody's got a similar interest and everyone has a similar interest, then naturally you're going to want to both create something similar. So that's honestly, I think a really good way to network is just look in discord communities, look for people who are similar to you. Um, be careful about advertising rules. You don't want to come across as advertising. You want to come across as someone who's interested in collaboration, very dangerous uh, <laughs> tightrope sometimes. Uh, smaller Discord servers, usually better than bigger ones because the pool is a little bit more refined and people are less concerned about mass advertising. If you go into just straight up Minecraft the Discord and then you start looking for people to collaborate, you're just asking a really big pool and then it starts to feel a little bit less personal. Um, but if you go into a group that's specifically for um, like UHCs or something, right? Uh, then it's a lot easier to find people who are more tailored towards your interest and who you can easily relate to because there there's less people in there so like the ideas are a little bit more refined basically does that make sense might not make sense i'm sorry about that that's just my general take on networking um f find people who you want to be friends with and then find their friends and once you find someone once you find someone who you know you're going to want to collaborate with hold on to that like remember who that person is and think like okay like write them down in the mental list like hey like this guy would be great to do collaboration with this i'm going to keep that in mind um, a lot of the people on Kate Core uh, is just through like I, I I talked to someone at some point and thought like hey I would love to collaborate with this person Panda he's been on the channel uh, several times now um, I, we literally found him playing CS:GO he was someone who randomly joined our team because we didn't have enough people and um, I just had this gut feeling when talking to him and I invited him over to our group and then we hang, hung out a little bit more uh, now he's one of the people I hang out with the most online and um, I obviously have invited him to several different projects because he's someone who really fits that atmosphere he's someone I get along with and he's someone who enjoys those kind of games so you just got to hold on to that every time you make a new friend online just think think of different ways you could collaborate with someone even if you don't collaborate with them you know and if you can't think of any way to collaborate with them then it's you know it's probably just not going to work out and that's okay you can have friends who you don't collaborate with obviously um, but yeah, that's just my general take on networking. It is difficult getting your content seen. That's kind of the second part of that. That's, that's definitely a struggle. Um, getting your content seen is the constant, uh, struggle on YouTube because by now YouTube has been around for so long and it's been the biggest uh, video platform for so long that the, the market is totally oversaturated. Pretty much any kind of game you want to play or any kind of video you want to make there's already been thousands and thousands of videos already based on that one topic. Uh, the people who have been successful at gaining a large audience on YouTube um, are people who have entirely capitalized their personality into their content uh, to make it not feel like it's the same content that's already all over the platform. And that's just kind of my advice is that uh, in your work, you want to make sure that your personality is very much seen. I think I might have even mentioned this in in the announcement video I did about the, you know, the PatNet's Mastercast or whatnot, uh, you, want to, you want to make your content very much yourself. And because yourself is the closest thing that's going to be unique about your content. Absolutely nobody has ever walked in the same shoes as you in the same time, in the same space, and had the exact same interest in the same thoughts. You truly are uh, unique. And I know that sounds like cheesy, but that's actually the truth of it. Content's not. Content is not unique. Um, there's so many aspects of content that's just been done so many times before. Any kind of magical Minecraft Let's Play you come up with, you're still going to be playing Minecraft into a microphone intended for an audience with or without face cam. doesn't matter. Everything, all that's all been done before, right? Um, I think people get caught in this trap of thinking so much about a concept that could be unique, something that hasn't been done before, that they entirely forget who who is trying to think of that, which is themselves. That's already unique. That's your that's your golden ticket. If you make your personality your content, then you're going to be making like close to unique content. Um, there's arguments that nothing in this world is actually truly unique, and uh, there's plenty of really interesting videos that you can watch about that uh, online. Ultimately, though, if you even if you can't make something that is actually unique, you can still trick people into thinking it is unique. And I think that's just kind of the key point: is that a lot of the people who you think are very original YouTubers. They're making you think that way because they're less similar to the other people around them. Um, and people ultimately on YouTube, YouTube's kind of a strange, um, more intimate uh, environment, for lack of a better word, than traditional like TV um, or uh, traditional like radio or whatnot. Because a lot of people who come there to consume content consume content specifically for the creator. 
whether they really know it or not, but it's the individual's creator's touch to the videos that makes them actually like it as opposed to TV. Like there's a reason people watch YouTube and not TV at given points in time. I'm not saying that nobody watches TV, although some could argue that's on its way out. Um, there's a reason that there was like a little bit of a creator boom in the YouTube atmosphere. And that's because it was made by individual people, not corporations, not advertising companies. It was made by people who want to create something that they're passionate about. If you utilize that, you're at least going to have a shot. If you don't utilize that, you're actually not going to have, there's, there's almost no chance if you're not yourself in your videos, or I mean, like, that's not to say you can't play characters, right? Like people, you know, act and stuff all the time on YouTube. That's totally fine. That's still something that you're passionate about. That's still using your personality to create something else. If your thing is, if your content is purely based off of somebody else's content, though, somebody else's personality, if you are specifically trying to be, um, James Charles, uh, Shane Dawson, I'm just trying to think of like popular YouTubers who aren't gamers because I've already used so much gaming references, but like, let's just say Markiplier, right? If you want to be like any of those people specifically and you start trying to use their mannerisms or whatnot, um, then what is a viewer, what incentive does a viewer have to watch that as opposed to the real deal? Um, however, if you use your own personality, then the viewers can find something that they don't usually see every day. So I know that's not exactly an answer to do how to like get more views. Another thing though is properly advertising. If we go back to when we we're talking about like subreddits and discords or whatnot, a lot of those are super useful for advertising, but you have to be very, very careful about it. I'm personally not an advocate of mass advertisement uh, to the point where you're direct, like trying to take attention off of other people's works and put them on your own, um, such as mass commenting on YouTube. That's not really what I personally advocate. I like I just think on a YouTube video, that's kind of another creator's space. And I don't feel like you should advertise your own work there. Um, however, there are plenty of subreddits that are dedicated towards advertising work. Um, a lot of, some of my highest performing videos, and I say highest performing, just, just so we're clear, I'm, I'm not a high performing YouTuber here, right? That's just not what I am. Uh, my content does not get like mass attention. Now, the things have gotten the most attention though, have usually been through external advertisements through uh, Reddit and Discord, though, um, because you can advertise your work about in specific communities who are interested in that specific topic. YouTube is not doesn't really have a category system. It's all just kind of confuzzled into one place, as opposed to like the trending tabs they have. Those trending tabs are specifically for bigger creators. They are not for little creators. There's actually absolutely no exposure for little creators on YouTube. It's kind of depressing. YouTube. YouTube advertises big creators and that's it. It makes sense. It makes them money. I'm not saying, it, you know, it's not a good financial move. It just kind of sucks for the small guys because there's literally almost no way uh, for YouTube to be the one to promote your video. Even through suggested videos, you have to do some crazy magic to even get your videos in your own channel's recommended videos, if that makes sense. YouTube doesn't meet you halfway, basically. So you kind of got to go do like extra legwork uh, outside of YouTube. Um, on Reddit, there's like, there's like this, uh, there's this like a page on Reddit called, um, uh, like, like channel watch or something, right. Where you can just submit channels or like, uh, submit like links to your channel and like have people watch it. I think that's the case. I haven't used it before, but there's also other ones out there that are specifically designed for advertising and people who follow it are specifically looking for new content to look at. Also, it's not one-to-one. -one. A lot of the people on there are also advertisers who are looking for new content, but every once in a while, they're going to see that thumbnail or that title that you put up and they're going to think you know what, that actually is an interesting topic. That sounds like an interesting person. I want to check that out. Um, so basically, it's not easy. It's not easy. It is a lightning in a bottle scenario. I did talk about that in the, the previous episode. Um, but if you want any kind of retention, you really have to go the extra mile. Make good thumbnails. Uh, try to get eye-catching thumbnails. I personally don't advocate uh, deceptive clickbait. But honestly, it's your content. You do whatever the heck you want. If you can bring them in and make them stay, you can bring them in and make them stay. Um, I, I'm a graphic design major and making thumbnails, I end up taking a little bit more seriously than other people, I think. And I think that's why I feel as strongly as I do about deceptive clickbait in the thumbnails. I don't, it just doesn't feel good when I make it myself. That's me though. You guys are you. If you make content and people start watching you and your thumbnails are horrible, clickbaity trash, but people are there watching you, does it actually matter? People are watching you. That's what's important, right? Um, and if people are happy with what you're putting out, they're happy with what you're putting out. Uh, I would just be careful with trying not to deceive your audience too much in your thumbnails because then you might get people who are upset with you uh, when they come to find your content. 
So I guess that's where I'm going to leave it at. Um, advertising is not super easy, but again, talking to friends and family and other connections, just anyone around you, if you present your work and look, ask for like feedback or whatnot as to how you can better your work, um, that also helps you make better work, but it's also a way of advertising. It's a way of getting practice at presenting to other people. Um, and some people might want to stick around and keep watching. So those are kind of my tidbits on that. I'm, obviously, I'm not like the absolute best person to ask about this because I'm not a very popular channel. Uh, is, but that's just kind of my take on it to have a healthy, healthy outlook on that and uh, moving forward. Um, okay, so I think that's all for the first question. Actually, we should have one more. One second. Again, new at this. I don't know how this whole like format thing is going to change, um, but I, I have to get comfortable with doing some of the podcasts myself too because I, I, I don't want to rely on another person uh, every single time I want to do this if I want to want to help you guys because I want to help you guys, you know? So I got to try to find ways to do it myself as well. But of course, I love bringing on guests every opportunity I can. Um, right now, I wish I knew more about how to make genuinely engaging videos. I want to make more content people enjoy and look forward to seeing. Genuinely engaging videos. That's uh, that's definitely a good good want, right? <laughs> if you want your videos to be engaging, that's you're, you're already 50% there. Uh, some people don't even have engagement in their minds. They don't think about like... Uh, people who might actually be sitting down and watching the content or whatnot. So at least that's a good, healthy mindset. Um, with regards to how to engage people, again, like I would just kind of go back towards using your personality in your content. I feel like it adds a personal touch that people are looking for when they browse through YouTube. People usually get engaged to someone they can relate to more. And uh, what's more relatable than a human person, right? So that's just kind of my big take on it. Um, things you can also try is just finding areas you're comfortable with. I know like there's different forms of content and different forms uh, require different approaches. Some approaches you're not as comfortable with. Um, I, for one, when I first started uh, filming projects uh, with a camera, I was really horrible. I was really horrible at camera. I'm probably still not great. Not going to lie. I, uh, I, I, every once in a while I find myself doing something totally not camera ready. Um, but I keep doing it to try to get like, you know, practice at it or whatnot. But if you're at a point where you've been trying something for a very long time and you still just don't feel very comfortable with it, feel free to shake up the formula. You know, feel free to try to go towards a direction that you might be more comfortable with. Um, again, letting your projects kind of evolve is such an important thing in the creative atmosphere because it helps you find your prime time and uh, the exact kind of content that you want to create and the exact kind of audience you want to have. Um, if we take, for an example, um, uh, scripted videos versus freeform. I think I'm all right at both now, um, but I definitely wasn't always. Uh, you could be doing content that's entirely free form, and then you're thinking, you know what? Uh, I think I'm actually better at like writing stuff down. Try presenting your same content in a written way. You know, um, viewers are usually going to get more engaged with something that you're more engaged with, and if you find something that you truly are engaged with, then you know, there you go. Um, here's another tidbit, though. Here's another kind of another direction a little bit. Um, if you're having a conversation and you don't see the person on the other end, you don't hear the other person on the end. Right now I'm talking to a camera and a microphone and I see a monitor and that's, that's all I see, right? I'm still talking though. Um, it's something that I'm kind of comfortable with at this point. If that's something that's not super comfortable or not super engaging to you, feel free to try to do more collaborations, try to work with more people, you know, go back to what I said about like networking, uh, get more people on, on the line when you're recording or whatnot. Uh, this is really helpful for both like commentary videos and let's plays and whatnot. Anything that's free form. If you have a second person like podcasts, if you have a second person, naturally the conversations are going to be much more lively. You guys might be thinking right now, you know what? This podcast is much more lively when Talon was on here. I'd probably agree. Having a second person to just bounce things off of and hear their insight will definitely raise the engagement level because you're getting more engaged with the person. And naturally, if you're engaged, then the viewers are going to be engaged. I think that ultimately is what it comes down to. Um, if you're recording by yourself and you feel like that's just not working for you and it's not working for your audience or whatnot, feel free to bring another person in the mix. Kate Core is able to work as well as it does because we have so many different people cycling in and out. Um, not only do we have different people we collaborate with, but we shake it up as to who we collab who collaborates with who. And you get some interesting, uh, interesting conversation between people. No one really burns out a con uh, conversation with each other. Um, like I said earlier, bringing Panda into the mix is just another person to throw different series around. And when I talk to Panda, I'm not saying the same things that I say when I talk to Owleton, right? We're not having the exact same conversation and naturally we're not getting bored of it. So 
collaboration is a great way of trying to both engage yourself and the viewers. And that's also just a helpful tip if you don't feel as invested in your own content. Uh, a great way to get invested is to just get invested in somebody else. And if you guys are having, if two people are having a good time in a video, a lot of times the viewers are going to have a good time also. You know, try to make a good, a good, if you're going for comedy, try to make the other person laugh too. If you can make the person you're talking to laugh, then you're probably going to be able to make the audience laugh as well. That's just my general take on things though. <clears throat> Sorry, been talking a lot with a lot less water. Okay. Um, another, this is kind of like a two-part question. Another thing that says, uh, when I started, I wish I had paced myself better since I either uploaded too much or too little. I also, of course, feel my old videos are subpar in quality and editing, uh, and editing than the ones I make are now. So I think, I think what he's saying there is, um, I'm slightly dyslexic, so I didn't, I might not have read that properly. Uh, yeah, basically the pacing of videos, not having like a consistent schedule is what I'm kind of gathering from that, from like his older videos or whatnot. Um, but with regards to them being not great, I don't think that's something you should be entirely concerned about. I don't think you should be super worried about the quality of your previous videos. Uh, as we'd stated in the last podcast, you know, it's no one ever creates something that's 100%. We even talked about this in this episode. Uh, content creation is the process of making something that's slightly better than the thing you made before. I think at least that's the ideal progression line, right? Um, if there's ever a point in time where you feel like the content you're making is not as good as it used to be, then it might be time for a new direction. You know, it might be time for a new shakeup. Things, things don't stay the same in the entertainment field. Uh, you can't just be in a stagnant spot forever. Very few channels, uh, can do that without changing anything. Even some channels that are still persisting to this day and have since the beginning of the platform, uh, their content has had some kind of change or their outlook has had some kind of change down the line because you can't stick with the same thing. You got to let your content evolve basically. Um, <clears throat> so your content should be evolving. The content you made before should be worse than it is. And I don't think that's by any means something you should be ashamed of. I think it's something you should be proud of the fact that you're here now and you weren't there before. Um, you can't start at level hundred. It's just, it's just not possible. Um, I think with regards to like something he wished he knew when he started um, was that they're not, because they're not great videos, he, if he uploaded great videos back then, he might be in a different spot now. I guess it's true, but I don't, on, I genuinely don't think you can ever get to the high quality standard without having some low quality at some point in time. Um, so I, honestly, my personal advice, just try not to worry about it. Try not to worry about who you were, worry about who you are and where you're going. Uh, that just seems to be a good positive way to uh, better your work and also better yourself as a person. Um, and I think he's just saying that he wishes uh, he knew how to like schedule things a little bit better. Yeah, finding a consistent schedule is something that's like important for content creation, especially on YouTube. Um, it's been like a little known fact uh, that's been relatively tested that the more frequent you upload, the better your channel might do, unless you upload too frequently, right? Um, usually don't get put up in recommended videos as often if you don't upload as frequently. I think that's a general consensus. Again, nobody knows the algorithm for sure. This is just through varied tests. Um, so it is important to have some kind of consistent schedule, but it's even more important to have a, a schedule that you can work with. So many times people will set up like a schedule, like we mentioned earlier, like an everyday schedule. Um, and naturally if you're making content, that's really difficult to produce, then you're not going to be able to produce it like every single day. If you then dial it back a little bit and say, okay, I want to get one video out a week. That might be something that's more manageable. You might have to adjust your content according to that schedule. But again, it's absolutely fine to let your content change over time. It's, I think that's, you just need to be very, very much open to that. So if you feel like your schedule is, uh, inconsistent, like you get, sometimes you get things out really fast, sometimes you guys get really slow. You can try to find the middle ground of, um, of how much you can do in a given point of time. If you feel like if there's, if it's a mix of too fast and too slow, then, um, you know, dial it back a little bit. Even if you can do a little bit faster, save it for the next week or something, right? Weekly videos, um, I think is generally a good thing to aim for, for most types of content other than like really highly developed content, in which case you might move towards uh, once a month might be a little bit more ideal. If you go a little more infrequent than once a month, then you're probably not going to be killing it in the recommended section just through tried and true tests. Um, but then again, maybe your content is just to that point where you absolutely cannot release more than once every three months. 
then release once in every three months. You know, uh, it's just important to set that schedule because you need to you need to have a limit to your own ability. You need to time yourself. Um, what I like to do when I make thumbnails is sometimes I take a little bit too long. I just work a little bit too much on this thumbnail, adjusting tiny little things and getting further away from a finished product. Isn't that interesting? You'll get further away from finishing something if you try to perfect it. Um, so what I've been doing recently is setting up time limits for how much time I can spend on the thumbnail. And you can do the same thing for individual aspects of your video. If you're doing a scripted video, you could say, I don't want to spend more, more than two hours on this script. I don't like after two hours, I'm if the script's done, no matter what, you know, I'll just really quick read out the outro or something like that. Right. You could try something like that, limiting yourself. Sometimes I take way too long trying to re uh, recite like all the scripts and I have to do like multiple takes. If you time yourself this way though, and then you time every individual step editing, that's an amazing thing to put a time limit on yourself. Uh, you'll, you'll be fascinated by what you're able to do when you set a time limit on how long you can edit a video. Um, so many videos get lost in editing because that's like the last step and it's kind of like the grindiest step. So many little steps on top of each other. Um, if you set yourself a time limit, like, okay, so I'm going to work on this video, even just for today, only today, I'm only going to work on this video for three hours. And then maybe that's a lot, you know, maybe just one hour. I'm just going to work on this video one hour today, but I'm also going to work on it one hour tomorrow, or maybe one hour in the morning, one hour in the night or something like that. Right. If you time yourself, you can then start piling up more of those intervals of time. And this is just kind of applies to time management in general. People will say the same thing about completing homework on time or whatnot. And time management's not an easy thing to have a grasp of. Um, but if you force yourself to not go over the creative line, sometimes you're going to feel the inspiration to go as far as you can deep into the night, overwork yourself until you get burnt out the next day. If you can stop yourself from doing that, you can kind of retain some of that excitement for the days coming forward. Um, so I think that's just, those are just some helpful tips for trying to get a schedule out. Uh, putting limits on how much time you can work on something. And again, what you release might not be perfect and that's okay. The next thing you release is going to be better. It's going to be even better. And then the next one, guess what? Better than that. If you started at perfect, where's all the fun? None of your projects would ever get better, right? I think that's just the general take on like schedule and, and management and making sure you don't overwork yourself, you know? Okay. <laughs> wow. We've already gotten through. We've only gotten through the first question and uh, we still spent a lot of time on that. Okay. Let me move on to the next question, which again, to remind you guys is, um, what's the hardest part of creating? Um, first one I'm going to go over having a consistent stream of ideas. Sometimes you have dry spells and your audience drifts off. Yeah. So that is definitely a hard thing. That's a, it's like losing inspiration in, or losing continuous inspiration. If you look at inspiration, like an income, right? Um, you might get like a little bit every month for like a certain thing, a little bit every two weeks or something like that. Uh, whenever you don't have that income coming in, it kind of throws your whole, your whole, uh, your whole expenses out the window. I don't know. I don't know why I'm relating this to money. Um, but yeah, inspiration is one of those things that's tough to get and you don't know when it's going to hit. It just kind of hits randomly. And then you try to run with it when you can. Um, the only like tips I can really give with inspiration is some to not lose inspiration, which is again, timing yourself, big part of things, but also, it's important to try to create even when you're not inspired. And I know that's kind of a tough one. And some people might disagree with me on this one, but I think if you can create, even when you're not in inspired, even if you don't end up releasing what you've been creating, the pro you're still exercising, you're still exercising content creation. You're still building something. And if you're constantly building something with the tools, you're probably going to get like some kind of idea or some kind of wave of inspiration just on something completely different, not on the thing you're working on. But if you're planning on scripting your videos, continue writing. Just just barf out words. You know what I mean? Um, writing is kind of an interesting thing because content creation is all about uh, articulation and communication. All art is, right? It's all about communication. And language is such a physical part of, of uh, uh, communication. So if you're constantly writing down something, that's a great way of getting inspiration, even if you're not a writer. Um, or just constantly speaking into a microphone. Start a podcast that nobody's going to see. Just start filming yourself talking about things. And then uh, you're going to, the amount of times I've like had an idea for like a video or a series just from barfing out things, uh, like most of my ideas just come from that, you know? They just hit at random times. It's really tough um, with regards to dry spells. Uh, I think it's important to, even if you don't act on some of your inspiration, if you get inspired for something, hold that in your chest. You know what I mean? Like, 
put that in the background. If you get inspired about it for one at one point in time, you're probably going to be able to reignite that if you then proceed it later. It might not happen immediately. Um, if you have an idea about a really good skit you want to try or whatnot, just put it in the locker for now. You know, if you if you work on something else, just lock that up. Come back to it later. Um, some days, someday you're going to come back to it later, and you're going to refill all that excitement you had for it. Um, and I think that's in general my advice for helping with dry spells or whatnot. Um, but ultimately, writer's block happens. You know what I mean? Block happens, and uh, it's difficult to get out of. It can be frustrating. But if you're constantly creating, you're at least exercising your formal skills, even if the creation doesn't end up being promoted anywhere or uh, uploaded or anything like that. I'm going to try to kind of like speed this up a little bit because uh, I don't know how long this has been. Um, actually, I can check. It looks like, yeah, we're nearing we're nearing the hour mark, getting close. Um, question two, how hard it is to commit to YouTube? Yes, YouTube is a brutal commitment. Um, it's a brutal commitment that I have been constantly working with uh, since... Uh, I started back in 2013, I think, um, almost seven years now. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a gift and a curse, right? Working with YouTube, because on the one hand, it's a constant, uh, stream of create of a creative outlet. It's something that you can constantly throw out there and you've been able to throw it out for the last uh, decade or so, just getting content out there might not be reaching huge audiences, but having some kind of wall to put a painting on is gratifying, right? Um, it is a tough thing to commit to. Uh, it may feel like, it may feel sometimes like uh, useless to put this much work into something. Um, and that's actually, I think another question on here or another response um, is why bother, right? Like why bother even uploading to YouTube? Uh, Honestly, I think it's okay to try to take YouTube out of the equation, to try to focus less on the system itself and the platform that it's on and think more about what you're creating. Um, because YouTube is only a commitment if you validate YouTube as, as that, if you give YouTube that kind of power. Um, honestly, your content should have the power though. What you make should be the thing that's in charge, should it not? I feel like that should take the number one priority, not necessarily YouTube itself. But sometimes it feels like you have to upload to YouTube to constantly get to that audience or whatnot. Feel free to try other avenues. You know, YouTube specifically works against small creators sometimes. It's really frustrating. Um, but feel, don't feel like you have to abide by what YouTube is telling you to do. Terms of service, that's something you do have to abide by. You're going to get your stuff taken down. Follow terms of service. But what I'm saying is that uh, for YouTube algorithms, don't feel like you absolutely have to hit those algorithms. And any kind of tips and tricks I talk about when gaining an audience on YouTube or whatnot, that's specifically if you plan on sticking with YouTube and you really want to do the full commitment like it's talking about. But if the commitment ever becomes too much, there's plenty of other ways to express your uh, your creative freedom, you know? There's plenty of other ways to present your art. YouTube might be the best way for video uh, projects, but even just in-person showing things, sometimes you yeah, that small gratification from that one friend Maybe that's enough for you, you know, because um, YouTube is a tough commitment. Uh, just don't make the commitment of YouTube devalue the power that your art actually has, because your art does have power. Every artist's art has power. Uh, art is a powerful thing, and it's important to remember that and not to let you, something like YouTube or the commitment to it take that away. Um, so there's not an easy solution to YouTube's a hard commitment. It is. Um, but, you know, keeping at it and working at other mediums sometimes is a good way just to shake up the kind of art that you're making. Every once in a while, I'll try a completely different project. In school lately, I've been trying out some other subjects of art other than video main making. I, uh, I made a painting earlier. Um, I worked at a coffee shop for a while and learned how to make uh, uh, espresso-based coffees. And even that is kind of an art in and of itself. Cooking. Lately, I've been like trying to make at least one meal every day. And usually trying to make it like a new meal that I'm not usually used to making, that is just another art form. And experimenting with those multiple kinds of art forms will make you, I think it will make you a little bit more excited about the videos when you kind of come back to it. And ultimately, excitement kind of helps combat the the, daunt, the over-daunting fact that YouTube is almost an impossible beast to tackle. Um, but again, don't let, don't let the beast be more important than the actual content itself. That's what's important. Try to focus on that alone. And if that means focusing on that outside of YouTube, if YouTube's too much of a commitment, you know, art is art. If you're creating art in some capacity, that's good enough. You know what I mean? At least that's my take on it. Um, but I hope it gets easier for you uh, to the person. Again, I don't want to share like who wrote all these stuff. 
Um, even though most of them are like public still. Um, hardest part is knowing it isn't going to turn out good due to lack of experience and being embarrassed by what I made. Okay, so I was laughing not because that's a silly response. It's absolutely a valid response. I was laughing because of how many times I've felt that in the past. Um, yeah, being embarrassed is definitely something that you have to overcome when it comes to content creation because um, you have to, you just got to be like so okay with being... It's okay. So like, <laughs> this is, this is taking it past content creation, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're concerned in real life about being embarrassed by something, for example, maybe you play a lot of video games and you're embarrassed by the fact that you play video games. Ultimately, the number one combat against that is to just not, is to just like own it. You know what I mean? If you are something and then you own it, naturally, you're not going to be embarrassed by it. And this also goes back to what Talon and I were talking about with how confidence is so super, super very important in content creation. If you are confidently playing video games and uploading videos and talking about it, um, then you're not going to feel embarrassed because you understand it's something that you actually want to do or whatnot. And I, when it comes to making like bad videos, I, it, it's not something you can easily tell yourself. You can't tell yourself, don't be embarrassed by the stuff that you make at some level, you know, if you're going to feel it, you're going to feel it. A lot of my old content, I'm probably still embarrassed to this day. If you started playing some of that stuff like in front of me, I might be like, ooh, why, why are you doing that? Um, I actually plan on doing a stream and watching back all the stuff. And uh, I plan on using the face cam so you can actually see how many times I cringe doing that. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the point is uh, embracing, embracing the embarrassing things about you will definitely make it take the sting away. You know what I mean? Um, with regards to making bad content, again... It's just something that's going to happen and you kind of have to get through it. It kind of sucks. It sucks that we can't start at level 100. But honestly, uh, if you can get the embarrassing stuff out of your system, you can then build upon it. Um, I really like this response because it's it's something that probably not a ton of people talk about, but it's definitely like something that very much everybody feels when they're creating something. Um, something that helps with me w with regards to ignoring embarrassing is uh, or not being embarrassed with what I create is I just very much focus on the content itself and what I'm doing next in my content. If I can kind of try to keep it content level instead of personal level, then I'm not going to feel very bad for it. If people critique my videos about certain things, if I can take, if I can take the, uh, my, myself out of it and just see it for what it is, then I'm not going to feel bad at all for what people are critiquing about. I'm not going to feel like it's a personal attack because when people don't like your work, a lot of times it's not a personal attack. They might phrase it in an awful personal way which is horrible. Um, they might not just know how to critique people and just say all sorts of nasty things. Uh, in which case, yeah, it, it might be embarrassing, but if you just focus on the content itself, um, I feel like that usually helps me not ever feel personally attacked by someone's comment or negative, uh, remarks towards, uh, my content. And I get that stuff. I mean, I constantly, not constantly, but like a lot of times people are, are telling me like, yeah, dude, you just, it kind of sucked at this one. It's like, Fair enough. You know, if you don't like the content, then you don't like the content. Like I'll, I'll try to improve, you know, I'm going to constantly try to improve my content, but I can't just take that personally. You know, I got to look at it specific for what it is, which is a piece of art and art's meant to be shared. And honestly, if you're sharing your art, even if it's crappy art, you're doing the right thing. If you are presenting your work, regardless of how bad it is or how embarrassing it is, you're doing the right thing. So just, you know, try to keep on doing that and uh, try not to just take like uh stuff like as personally and i know that's not i don't expect that to be like an end all excuse uh my ultimate advice is just try to look at it as a separate thing try to look at it something that's no longer yours but something that you present um and when people are mad at something you present or trying to mock what you present they're not actually mocking you they're mocking just something that you're presenting so then you present something else. You know what I mean? You just keep uh, building and work on towards something else. So basically try to take yourself out of it after it's done, I think. Trying to be super attached to a project once it's finished, get ready to move on to the next one and think on those kind of standards, basically. I hope that helps because um, I really do like that, that response and I, I, I'd hate to give a bad response to that. Um, the hardest part of creating is creating even if it feels like no one's watching. Again, laughing because I have felt this oh so many times. After my fifth year channel anniversary, um, I did like I did a big collaboration for this five year thing. I brought all my uh, most frequent collaborators into like a script and had them all read out like little bits, combined it all into one. Very proud of the video even to this day. Um, but something kind of hit me after that, like a little bit after. It's like okay, I may, I've been making YouTube videos 
four or five years now. Like, I don't have an audience, not a big one at least. And, um, you know, like sometimes you just feel like, what's the point if like, if I'm just talking into an empty room right now, my room is empty. I'm talking, it's is 424 AM at night and I'm just talking in an empty room. Um, what's the point of this all? Well, again, this kind of goes back to just thinking about the creation itself. If you kind of take uh, your audience out of the picture and then you take yourself out of the picture and you look at what you're creating, you're going to be inspired. A lot of times it feels good that you've been able to finish this project uh, that you've been working on for so long and feel that passionate about. Um, honestly, another thing that kind of helps with this though, cause I did get in, like a little bit of a slump, uh, in like late 2018, I think, or I guess it'd be late 2017. Wow. That's a long time ago. Um, it was like just before I had started working on a new job and, uh, it was actually before the K core channel, like relaunched. Um, but the K core channel relaunch was kind of in response to that. Um, I was not feeling too great about just creating stuff by myself with nobody watching, you know, that kind of combination is not a very nice one. So I kind of started to lean on collaboration. I went to the cake. I went to the people in the K core group and said like, look, why don't we try to change this K core channel into something that is entirely collaborative, uh, 100% of the time and they'll do it frequently. And that, 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 uh, relaunch that we did ended up being one of the best things that's happened to me creatively because it just keeps giving me more and more things to work with. Um, at the very least, if nobody's watching a K-Core video, if no K-Core video ever saw anybody's TVs, at the very least, I'm living that with my friends. And those conversations we're having, those are real conversations. And those are real jokes that we're sharing around. In a way, we're both viewers of the same content at that point in time. And I think that's how I'm able to justify it to myself. You know, um, Collaboration is just a powerful thing. Not all content calls for the same kind of collaboration, but even if you're doing skits or scripted videos or commentaries, whatever kind of videos you're doing, bringing in another person, um, it's another form of presenting art to people. So at the very least, if you don't present to those other people, you're presenting to your friends who have fun with you, you know? Um, and if your friends aren't having fun, you know, try to make it fun for them. And it might not always be a good collaborative fix. Uh, but if you and your friends are having fun, people who are watching are probably going to have fun. And if they're not, at the very least, no one can take that memory away from you. No one's going to take my Let's For Dead 2 memories with Owleton away from me or my uh Flatlands uh memories with James Douglas and Zenger away from me or my um uh uh what's another one Battlefront with pretty much the whole group you know that's all stuff that's lock and key UHC memories they're all in here baby I don't care if you don't watch those they're still in here I'm still able to relive those and that's what's nice about uploading to YouTube is also a form of documentation I know some channels that actually treat it almost entirely as a form of documentation rather than presentation uh James Douglas, his almost his entire approach to YouTube is through documenting his journey through uh, different like different games or whatnot and collaborating with different people. And it's a it's a beautiful thing that uh, that you can do. You can document stuff on the most public website in the world that's probably not going to crash at some point and lose all its data. I'm I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. And if it does happen, it's probably probably going to happen after our lifetime. I think with how popular YouTube is, if it if something drastic ever happens and all the videos go down, that's probably happening after I die. Right. Assuming I don't die um, 3,000 years from now. I don't plan on dying that late. I plan on exiting a little sooner. <laughs> but the normal human amount of time, okay? That's that's what I'm looking for, all right? Don't read, don't read into that. All right, so um, I guess like that's how I've been able to justify it myself. Again, I did get in like a little bit of slump about this very topic, though, about feeling bad that nobody's watching in 2017. Um, I've kind of bounced back from it, and now I feel like I'm in the best spot creatively that I've ever been before, and that's all thanks to collaboration, honestly. Um, and now I've got a nice mix of both solo stuff and collaboration. It's just, it, it's put me in a good position. So even if you don't make everything collaboration, having someone to bounce stuff back off of, um, it, it helps validate the art's existence and in your place in all of this, right? In your place in content creation and your place as an artist. Um, so that's my take. I hope that helps. What's funny is like, I'm, I'm reading these responses. I have no idea if these guys are even going to be watching this because it's a Patreon thing. Um, I, some of the stuff is going to be topics on YouTube, but, um, this very much goes into that same response. Like, why am I doing this? If I don't even know if anyone's watching, it's just, I'm watching, you know what I mean? And it's content that's fun to create, I guess. And, uh, when I have something finished, I can be proud of it. And I very much believe in the importance of creating art, regardless of who's watching. So that's just kind of my take on it. Okay. Um, um, okay. We're going to kind of do like a little bit of a lightning round for the rest of these. Uh, we're just going to go into the third question. Why you don't create more slash didn't start earlier? 
Um, my good, my biggest creative blocks are life slash time slash depression. Um, obviously something's like depression. That's just something that's really big. Uh, and you have to be very careful when dealing with, um, it's not something that I feel super comfortable, like talking about, like for an audience who are looking for creative advice, because it's something that's a little bit over my head. Um, obviously though, I can just relay the information that everybody relays, which is, you know, talking to other people about that. Uh, I do hope things end up working out better for you though. Um, but to mention the other things, life and time, life and time definitely get in the way of content creation. Um, I think this is from the same person who said, uh, uh, stuff comes out, like I rushed things out, right. And didn't take my time with it. Time and life definitely get in the way of, um, of content creation. And, you know, life is important. It's important to not just shut down your life to, to work on stuff. Um, even over these last seven years, I don't know why I keep forgetting the, the count, um, level seven years. Uh, there's been like one or two times where I may have went socially silent for a while, you know, just to like kind of create some things. Um, that's always put me in a worse headspace than when I'm keeping up with both my social life and what I'm creating. Times like these, it's a little difficult to keep up a social life, but I'm fortunate in the fact that I have a community of friends online that I can collaborate with and kind of socially hang out with at the same time, you know? Um, so... I think life should always take the priority, obviously. Uh, you want to make sure that you stay healthy when you're working on things. And um, if there are opportunities to mix life with your content, then I definitely recommend going for that. If you're able to create content from something that you have to do, you know, to physically uh, keep a good mental state and whatnot, then try it out, you know, try incorporating that into your work. Um, we were talking with Talon earlier. Talon is a uh, is majoring in audio engineering, I think. I don't know if that's the exact term, but because of that, he started his own podcast that's about the uh, the love, uh, the specifics of how audio works and his love of audio and whatnot. And that's just an example of like his regular life things. He's still prioritizing school because school is also super, super important. School is very important, guys. 99% of what I know is literally just from school. And that's with regards to art and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so finding ways to incorporate life into your content creation might be a good way of keeping up both, you know, because it works both ways. It both keeps you, keeps you on your toes, uh, with regards to consistency in videos, but it also keeps you on your toes with regards to consistency in life. Um, the vlogs that we do with, uh, with Owlton and Bombastic and Dancer, every once in a while we do those vlogs. And because it's a great way of both, again, like we went hiking or whatnot, that's a nice, fun, uh, healthy social activity, right? Just hiking up and down. We've done that a couple times and, uh, we, we film it and we're able to share that with other people. So it also provides more content with us. So it helps. It just, it helps in a lot of ways, combining like life with content creation. Um, obviously you want some uh, areas of separation, some areas you don't want to mix together and that's totally fine. Not everybody needs to know every aspect of your life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying everybody should be an everyday vlogger. Um, but if you can find ways to incorporate your life into content creation, this is supposed to be lightning round. I'm sorry, but let's, let's go on to the next one. Um, I mostly don't create because I'm busy with school. Again, that kind of ties into life and, um, time just taking over. You can kind of incorporate your school with your work or with your uh, content. It's a good way to keep up with both of them. Um, a while back I was in animation. I was uh, taking a couple uh, quarters of animation and I actually ended up making one or two videos based on that too. Cause I was having like a little bit of a content oil on my channel. And I thought, you know what? I will film a time-lapse of me actually animating this thing. And then I'll also show like the final product as a video. And that was part of like something I was doing while back called Metro March. Uh, I made a Metroid themed animation specifically for that. So any opportunity to combine school with, uh, with your content, capitalize on that, you know, really give that a shot. Helps you get uh, both done. Uh, the final one we're going to be talking about today is I feel like I've been creating somewhat consistently for the past few months and hope to continue that trend at least for the next year as I improve my skills. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> I forgot the question. We've been reading so many responses. Why don't you create sessions and start earlier? Um, okay, so this one's kind of a positive one because it's saying he actually does kind of create more often now. Uh, hope to continue that trend at least for the next uh, year as I improve my skills. Yeah, so uh, you know, positive responses are always a good thing of people kind of figuring it out. Um, just to kind of give my general take on like why, like I don't create as often as I do. Um, at this point I do create often, right? I'm kind of, I'm similar to that response. I've kind of hit that point where I'm able to create more stuff. And that's why I feel comfortable talking about, um, this whole podcast, like everything I say in here, I kind of feel comfortable at this point. 
because I'm in a spot where I'm able to create what I want to create at a relatively frequent pace. Uh, things on the PadNet channel specifically, uh, they kind of took a lull for a while. Again, these videos are kind of a way to replace it. With things on the PadNet channel, I was not uh, limiting myself the way I should have. I was not looking at what I could create and I was not letting my projects evolve. I was pretty much doing all the no-nos that I say you shouldn't do in this podcast series. Um, as I said in my announcement, um, I did a lot of the wrong things so that I can help you guys now do the right things. That's not why I did it, obviously. <laughs> that's just a, that's not a cause and effect. It's just a happen sense, right? But um, basically understanding what your limits are and then getting to those limits and then also putting your own limits on yourself. Um, I think they're all just genuinely good practices for trying to create art. And uh, time constraints is no absolutely easy answer to being able to create at a frequent pace. Uh, but I think pretty much everything we've been going over in this episode and the previous episode all kind of helped that. So I hope if you guys felt any of these responses uh, also could have come from you. I hope some of this, just me airing it out and talking about it can kind of help you guys um, with whatever uh, tips and tricks you might need. Um, again, content creation is tough, you know, and nobody, nobody, at least nobody should say that it's an easy thing to do. Um, even the most popular people who are able to uh, gain a lot of views, make a lot of money doing this stuff. They are hard at work, I assure you. Even if they had some kind of lucky find, uh, lucky viral video that went out at one point, the reason they're still at the point they are is because they're hard at work uh, doing what they love. And ultimately, that's all that you can do is just work hard at the things you love to work at. Um, and I think that's just a kind of a good way to kind of wrap this all up. You know, keep working hard, uh, make your content from your heart, not from not from monetary gain. Uh, keep yourself healthy though on the outside, you know, don't let it overtake your whole life. Um, obviously don't drop out of school just to work on creation. I'd say, cause I think you can just learn so much creative things from school. You could even try changing your major. If you want to creative field, you might learn more about it. Um, keep yourself healthy and keep your content healthy. Basically. <laughs> wow. I'm like, my throat's gone. Um, thank you guys for watching this podcast. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys learned some things. And um, if you would like to check out some of these uh, topics into smaller segments, then feel free to check out the PatNet channel, to which I will be uploading these periodically on there. Um, also, feel free to check out the PatNet Games channel, which is going to be having some tutorials on there for like specifics about running little bit more game-centric stuff, but also I'll be including some other tutorials on there as well, and the occasional Let's Play. Uh, and then also make sure you guys check out KCore for, oh my gosh, almost every day <laughs> Let's Play videos at this point uh, with, with my friends. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. So long.